Hello, Doobie listeners. You're tuned in to The Undercard, the Doobie's resident show for all things combat sports and mostly pro wrestling related since uh, I mostly just do pro wrestling, although I, I have dabbled a bit with with um, some MMA and whatnot, but mostly just pro wrestling and what, anything like that. If you're just tuning in, I thank you. This is kind of my attempt to make the best of a bad situation with the COVID crisis, having kind of limited our opportunities for exploring. So I'm kind of doing this pre- these pre-recorded podcasts to kind of express my love for this form of entertainment and, and pro wrestling. And I hope you'll enjoy and stick around. If you're returning, thank you for supporting the show. And so, of course, as is, this is kind of the last week tonight show, considering I always do these on Sundays, and most pay-per-views are on Sunday, so I often find myself, uh, I don't say out of the loop, really, but uh, reporting on stuff that's a little bit later, but it can be whatever. If John Oliver can do it, hey, I can do it too, I think, so... Let's start with some basic wrestling, basic wrestling news. I'll talk about, about what Hell in a Cell was like. I can say that because it's a, it's the name of the title, so I can't I won't get in trouble for saying Hell in a Cell. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about some other matches that occurred this week, and of course Survivor Series and Halloween Havoc, all great stuff, and a little bit of AEW. Not as AEW heavy this time around for whatever reason. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel like there's been as much news or. I just haven't had as much to to say about them for this week, but it was, I guess the only thing I guess I can just touch upon that really quickly is um, the segment from a week ago with like, or two weeks ago now, um, two weeks ago with the whole, the MJF and Chris Jericho having a little dance party with their, not really a dance party, but like a little musical number, for to kind of for their for their segment at the dinner scene, they kind of touched upon this briefly last week with MJF and Chris Jericho's segment on why MJF is like their, their official town hall meeting, which was led by Eric Bischoff, of course. And it was kind of bothered me that they brought it up that he mentioned the segment because it's like I kind of like the idea more that it was something out of context, out of canon, and kind of made it funnier that they just it was mostly just like in this own little world versus actually taking part and replacing the, the story because then it just kind of becomes confusing and weird that they just randomly had a musical number in a show that didn't have a musical number. It's totally a little weird, but that's that's not here or there. Just a little nitpick, but otherwise that was a good show. AEW. Um, Pack also is returning to AEW next Wednesday. I'm very excited. I love Pack. He is a fantastic wrestler, fantastic talker, great character. Um, uh, some people are speculating there's going to be something done with him, and how he's kind of he had started something before COVID occurred, and he got landlocked into Europe, where he wanted to. They were starting something called the Death Triangle with. Um, Penta and Ray Phoenix. So and now Penta and Ray Phoenix, of course, are in a thing with Eddie Kingston. So some people are thinking there's there's going to be something there where he thinks he's been rejected or he could just join back into the group. We'll see what happens. He, I see something with Pac kind of being too prideful to go with Eddie Kingston. Not really. But then again, it's also interesting because Eddie Kingston's clearly setting up something with John Moxley. So it will be... 
it's going to be curious to see how they're going to. If maybe they maybe they'll just forget about it. Maybe Kingston has thoroughly replaced Pack's role in the show, and they're not going to touch upon it again. It's hard to say, but it's either way. He's going to talk. It's reported that he's going to talk a bit about what it's been like to be away. Should be interesting to see what happens. And yeah, that really good show. I don't have as too much else to say about AEW for this week. I want to touch a bit. Talk, Talk a bit more about about um, about some of the things that have been happening in the WWE world because there have been some major things. Uh, first and foremost, the Twitch issue. There's so so for, for those of you who don't know, WWE has been trying to get their wrestlers to to, to kind of work along with the Twitch and. On the one hand, so the idea is WWE didn't like the fact that these wrestlers were using their WWE trademark names for Twitch and making money off of it, and they weren't benefiting, which is okay, which is kind of fair. It, there is something to be said that, yes, legally and business-like, they have the right to do this. They have the right to ask for compensation for using their names. It's the same way that Zack Ryder couldn't go back to AW with the Zack Ryder logo. He's not quite... He has to go with Matt Cardona. He doesn't own the name of Zack Ryder legally. But on the other hand, then the way they went about it wasn't ethical. It, there was this whole thing about how if they were going to keep streaming, that a portion of this money was going to go to WWE, then the other portion that the wrestlers made for themselves was going to go against their own down, their own down, um, their down salary. I, I'm probably saying that wrong, but either way, it's the salary they are set to make regardless of how many matches they have, how many times they're used, and travel expenses and whatnot. It's this WWE pays wrestlers a specific salary to help pay for travel and food and food because they don't pay that for them technically. They wrestlers are responsible for their own housing, driving, and food. So WWE compensates with a yearly salary, which is fair, but then the Twitch money then would have influenced that and so they would get paid less essentially. And that's not cool, really, <laughs> especially since WWE would be taking a huge chunk of that money for themselves it's, and not giving and basically saying you're make you're going to be working for us. So this thing that was meant to be fun is no longer fun. It's going to be kind of like work. And in response, this as uh, last week told us they have forced many of them to shut down their Twitch streams because since there was no agreement that could be made about it, there have been reports that. They've been shutting down their Twitch streams, and it's it's a whole it's 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 ridiculous. It's honestly kind of ridiculous that they've <laughs> they've just done this because it's clear that they don't get because the point of this was it was a way for these wrestlers to you know kind of connect with the fans that they've been missing because of COVID and a way to kind of you know express their characters because as we see sometimes with these social media platforms, wrestlers can express a story much better than what the kind of less, the more superficial main roster can provide. So it's can be helpful. It can be beneficial to the story sometimes. We saw this with like when Baron Corbin and Miz, speaking of Survivor Series, did their thing where they set up a whole little angle on social media about Miz versus Corbin, which was awesome. And it's... It, it it but so to do this it's just it's not it, it, it's it's just not cool first of all it's i know that's a simple remark to make but wwe is also setting up their own twitch stream that was something again it's yeah i get that they don't they don't want competing for it but it's 
they're still gonna it's WWE and they're still gonna make a ton of a ton off of this accounts, even with you know AJ Styles or Paige having their own little accounts. And those accounts were useful because they also they were used to provide charity. They did all this other stuff, and it's it was it's just not some it's ethically just wrong that they did this that they were forcing them to, sh- to close these Twitch accounts. Reportedly, though, Paige is saying she's going to continue with it because she, she doesn't care and she wants to have her help. I think she said she wanted to have her head held up high and everyone's like she's willing to fight for what she believes in, which is very respectful. It's very, very, very respectful to do this. But again, it's it's just, it was not a good move on WWE and keeping their talent happy, especially with this whole idea that they have been having some morale issues this coming week, and, I mean, over the coming months, I should say, with how some of the COVID things have been handled with the reports that they're going to go back on the road soon. And, you know, just these contracts, they're being forced to take less money because of the lack of travel. It's, it's yeah, it, it was not a good move on their part. That's the basic the basic issue. I'm probably missing some nuances there, but there, it, there's a lot to it. And that's what I've been able to get from it. And it's... It's 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 one of, it's another one of those cases where it's people then have these arguments that they can make about WWE not letting wrestlers you know do their own thing, let their creative muscles fly, and what makes AEW so much more appealing than when they leave. If WWE could just let these guys have their own things and not be hampered to follow this corporate model, it would be so much, just so much better. It would be, it would make them look better. It would make like make the wrestlers happier. It would just. It was, it's just it, it's baffling that they made this decision to do this. So there's yeah there's that and other and moving on from that I guess yeah I know seamless transition there. <laughs> there was reports that on other baffling baffling name um, things WWE have done. Matt Riddle has fallen victim to the name change, and he's now going to go by Riddle. Weird. It doesn't really work, but. He, the reports for this was are are stating that the issue was since Matt Riddle had all, had had these allegations against him about uh, the sexual assault issues and that he want and they don't want this too much light shed on this this issue. They wanted to change his name so when people look up Matt Riddle, they're not going to find all these articles about him being called out and him being, you know. <laughs> possibly linked to this despite them denying it and everything but of course looking up riddle doesn't just bring up anything and if you look up riddle wwe it's gonna bring up this stuff regardless because they're so it's such a you know heavily written about case so it's it doesn't work it just doesn't work and i i yeah i don't get it i I really don't get it maybe they just wanted an excuse to shorten his name for whatever reason but even then that doesn't work because you know matt riddle is an emma is a ufc guy he was a former ufc guy and do it having him and it could bring more eyes to the product just having him go by matt riddle whatever uh yeah it's it's whatever i guess using i'll use that to just springboard off to a little bit of ufc stuff last last night uh Anderson Silva, the spider, had his last match in the UFC, and he's most likely looking towards retirement. At, I believe he's 45 now, and yeah, Anderson Silva was awesome. I'll just go say that, and I'll transition again weirdly from WWE to 
UFC, but Anderson Silva was incredible. I've watched some of his his matches. He is he was an incredible fighter. He the things he could do, just his head movement was on point. The way he is something so satisfying about watching him just dodge these punches and these his counter punches are just amazing. He was this incredible athlete in his prime, and it's a shame that his later half of his career hasn't really shown that as much. But after that, after that leg injury against Chris Weidman, but oh my God, just watching these, just watching these highlight videos of him dodging these moves, the way his head just juts around, it's it's utterly amazing, and he honestly deserves to be in contention for one of the greatest of all time in the UFC. There's there's no question he'd be somewhere. I think in the top 10, he revolutionized so much in, in the way of combat and just, you know, showmanship and uh, he was just, he was an incredible athlete and it's a shame that he, yeah, he was TKO'd by the way, by Uriah Hall and it's a shame, but I don't think I don't, too many people expected him to come out with a win there. Either way, massive respects to the man saying we had to have two retirements in such a short time, two great athletes, but it's their choice. There's some speculation that unlike Habib, um, Silva might come back. It's yeah, that always there's always the possibility with guys like Silva who are just you know fightings in their blood and they need to like Chuck Liddell, Ken, Ken Shamrock. Uh, yeah, it's it, there's always a chance to someone like them that they want to keep prove prove something that they ha- they still have a little bit more into them and that they can still go and sad it'll be sad to see if he does. Because he doesn't need to have his legacy tarnished. Because he's so he was so awesome. He is still kind of he's still pretty awesome, but it's clear that he's not he hasn't been the same since that injury. Yeah. So yeah, that I just want to give respects to him because I saw that last night and give respects to Silva. Very entertaining, very entertaining uh, MMA specialist and yeah, all around great, great athlete. Uh, speaking of athletes doing great jobs in the ring, here back to NXT UK. This week there was a match between Dragunov versus Volter. Uh, yeah, Dragunov versus Volter for the NXT UK Championship. Now NXT NXT UK has come back to the screens, of course, and they've taken a small break from the Heritage Cup to do this massive 30-minute main event that, as they kept on saying, was worthy of a NXT UK takeover. And yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. It was that was an it was an incredible match. Honestly, probably one of the best of the NXT UK. Walter has been consistently one of the best champions in the WWE lately, and he's. I mean, even Joe Coffey, his match with Joe Coffey was pretty good in all honesty, and it was it was brutal. It was it was it was like it harkened back to those kind of new, the J- Japanese uh, King's Road style of just smacking the ever living words I can't say on the doobie out of each other. Like the chops, dear God, the chops in this match. Just you would Walter would like crank back Dragonov's head and just smack him, just like full force. He was red after the first smack to his. Looked like he kept getting at his throat too. I mean, that was the whole angle of the match was he kept targeting the neck because it, it was going to weaken his his resolve to try to hit his finisher, the torpedo Moscow, which is a running headbutt. But it was oh, good lord! The way he he would he'd like crank his neck and he'd step on it and do these knee drops to the neck and Dragonov. Dragonov is incredible. He's 
so explosive in the ring to see him kind of get neutralized like this and then a fight through it. It was hearkening back to kind of the time of it was it was it was amazing because it was similar to the Tyler Bate kind of Tyler Bate match. Sorry, I'm next to a kind of noisy some pipes. Uh, it was it was it kind of harkened back to the to the Tyler Bate versus a Vulture match at NXT UK Takeover. I don't remember which one exactly, but that five star five and a half, five and a quarter star rated match that was also amazing of telling kind of David Goliath story. And it, it harkened back to that idea, but it was different enough in the way that it wasn't about whether or not Dragunov was strong enough. It was about whether or not he was just crazy enough to kind of go through this pain that he was clearly being put through by because Walter took an early advantage, like I said, going after the neck with his massive just slabs of meat for hands that looks like they could just crush a watermelon. God, Walter is terrifying. And he would, he just worked the neck throughout the entire thing. We saw kind of early on where he went for a suplex on Walter and of course couldn't get it. And, yeah, that kind of kind of became the angle was that they wanted to see whether or not Walter yeah, was willing to continue this kind of thing, this kind of his his very high intensity offense. If he could continue his high intensity offense with this this neck injury that he was going to be experiencing throughout the match, but he did. He he then suddenly popped back after Walter went for his his patent Gojira clutch, and he spun out and just hit three German suplexes. And they were, and it was so, it was awesome. It was, I, I wish that NXT UK had a better audience sometimes because I don't think they get the, they don't get the respect they deserve. It's NXT UK is one of those shows that has this margin between being always all right. Then when it's great, it's fantastic. Like watch the take. I can't say that actually, if you watch the takeovers, you can see that that these are always consistently great. The NXT UK takeovers are always amazing. And it I hate that they, some of these critics sometimes on, you know, the anti-WWE smarks always like try to rack on it, you know, for not getting the attention it deserves. And they're like, uh, uh, your show can't, your show doesn't, I, I don't even get it. You know, if it was good, it was good. I don't see what you're complaining about. <sighs> Regardless, yeah, it, it was one of those cases where it was just fantastic, and it was honestly amazing that this this match got the time it deserved. It got, it was heated. It was brutal beyond. Volter just drilled him with two power bombs, and he hit that mammoth splash off the top rope that I honestly thought was going to be the end. Just a few times a kick out can make me literally just roll back in my chair and just go, "What? What? What?" <laughs> It was that was that was a kick out. I wasn't expecting. I actually thought Dragunov might win. He he deserves to be champion. I know Walter is incredible, and he really hasn't gotten the chance to shine because of COVID and everything. But I I was I was sold on him winning. And of course, match ended after the, all the neck injury and all the stuff that had been happening. Kind of probably I think they were selling the idea that his windpipes were getting kind of damaged. You know, wrestling uh, medical nonsense, and he applied the. The, the the Gojira clutch, which is basically a sleeper hole, but Volter because he's massive, and just squeezed him, and he 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 was he was out. He was a TKO. So, yeah, incredible match. I wanted to give props to that. Some shows you what that brand is capable of when it's at its best. 
Speaking of brands doing their best, NXT beat AEW for once in the ratings this time, but not in the demo. Da da da. You know, because you know AEW fans don't care about ratings until they unless they win. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, it's dumb. <laughs> I don't. The ratings thing is dumb. Sorry, it, it's honestly dumb. I don't. I don't get. I don't get the whole Wednesday Night War things. I. It's not. It's not WWE versus WCW. It just isn't. WCW was a massive company. Wrestling was at its top, like was was at the peak of its popularity, where it meant something. It's yeah. Sorry, I, I don't get the ratings thing. It's and it's now that we have all these extra demographics, it doesn't even matter because every time NXT does win, the AEW still boasts that they have the demo, the the key demographic, and it's. Whatever, it's it's whatever. It, it's honestly whatever. I'm I love both shows. That's all that matters. I just want. I'm happy for both of them. No one needs to leave. We can enjoy both shows. They both offer something great. As NXT uh, showed this week with Halloween Havoc, with some great title matches. We had first Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano. There was a spin your wheel. So it was a devil's playground match. That was what was determined. A little disappointed. I was really hoping for something, you know, they'd been building up over the weeks that Johnny was going to get put in something really dangerous. Like he was got a casket match one time during his, one of his promo seg- joke promo segments about it. But it was no. This was a this was this was a, this was a good match. It was it was kind of a false count anywhere kind of thing, and it was yeah. It was it was it was it was, it was an intense. Tense match they'd been building up that there was someone that helped Priest, uh, not Priest, um, Johnny Gargano win. They were in a screen ghost face match. This was supposed to be, I'm trying to remember who, uh, it was the rest, it was something about someone getting pulled from, I'm trying to remember what happened, but basically the person, I think it was Indy Cartwell, is, am I saying her name right? Yeah, Indy Hartwell, I believe, was yeah, Indy Hartwell. She was in. Well, she was supposed to be the one that was under the mask, but they pulled her out because of COVID, I believe, COVID-related issues, and and so I believe that they're going to have in can, the, the idea is that they're going to have her in can and be the one under the mask, even though it was someone else because she wasn't technically there, which is honestly pretty good. I, I like that they were able to do that. They didn't unmask the person, cause confusion. Either way, a ghost face masked person, which is supposed to be Indy Hartwell, came in and cost Priest the match after getting hit with a steel pipe. Johnny Gargano took advantage with a tombstone, a literal tombstone, not tombstone pile driver, and knocked him over the stage and got the win. Gargano is the new North American champion. Very good match. It was NXT does these kind of crazy falls count anywhere matches. Amazing. And of course, Johnny Gargano is the guy to do it. Um, I'm a little disappointed though that Damien didn't get the reign. I didn't get his a longer reign. He is so talented in everything that I wish he'd kept a bit longer. It is something I've noticed with NXT lately is that when when someone won the NXT championship in NXT before it kind of became the show, it I don't want to say it meant something because it still means something. It's still a very protected and coveted title, but it was like it it it. it it was 
you were the best of the development. Okay, it's not really developmental anymore. I know that whole stigma needs to really go away since it's considered the next show. But you were like the top of your class. You had it, and you were expected to have this long reign to show what you were capable of as a champion. And that's why there have been so few NXT champions, because so many of them have these really long reigns. And, okay, introducing the mid-card title was different. It's kind of made it more of, the official sh- of an official show now with a mid-card title. So it's kind of like NXT championships like that. But it was the NXT North American Championship was supposed to be, you know, like intercontinental with the kind of more workhorse attitude, more, more, it, it was meant for like another way to award other people that were doing their work, but more kind of in the mid card to kind of maybe if set them up for NXT title because Adam Cole clearly did that. But I don't know. I don't know if I like the idea of them hot shotting it. So maybe that's maybe, or maybe if they don't do it, the, NXT championship that would be fine because then it could be the title that people kind of hot shot over to each other more storyline wise and the NXT championship can continue to just kind of be this to be that kind of really powerful coveted top of your class title okay I know that seems like that analogy doesn't really work because you know the whole idea of championships is to be like top of your class but not all the time do we have championship reigns that last equally long and NXT forever has consistently shown that they let people have at least decently long range, unless you're Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre, who get called up very quickly. Regardless, uh, then we had a segment with Pat McAfee and uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. They had recently took the titles away from Brazongo, which, again, a shame. I wish they had had a longer reign. Those two are very entertaining. And they're clearly setting up something with the Undisputed Era, which is honestly great i really would like to see that we've seen danny birch and oni lorkin fight the undisputed era before they had an amazing rant they had amazing matches together they were very two very underrated guys and we revealed of course that rich holland sadly had his was injured during a segment after what was going to appear to be his like the biggest run of his career after beating up adam cole got injured i believe he, he tore something in his leg and he's reported to be almost out from almost a year, and it's that's such a that's such a shame that he that had to happen. And either way, they were reported to have been in coots, and he he, he had originally chosen uh, Holland, but you know Holland had had I gotten injured, so he had to take up different ways. So he took to you know the guys who beat him, who beat Ridge Holland, Oni Lorcan, and Dan, Danny Murch to help fight. And after the segment. When uh, O'Reilly came out to try to help, and Dunn looked like he was going to support them, and then Dunn turned on Kyle O'Reilly and joined the group, and so now it's McAfee, Dunn, Lorkin, and Birch, which it's kind of it's uh, it, it it's really it's really it's really smart in a way because it, it's they're kind of parallel in the undisputed era a little bit. You know, you got the kind of you got the hot shot leader. I'm saying hot shot a lot. Wow. You, you got the real charismatic kind of full of himself leader. You got the established tag team and you kind of get the outsider guy, which is, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool parallel, pretty interesting parallel. I'm not going to say it's some masterstroke genius. Like some people like to say about Jericho and MJF. I'm sorry that I read that a review about that, about someone saying how Jericho and MJF is some master class of writing, which it's good, but it's, it's not, the words he used were just terrible. Like he's making it sound like they reinvented Shakespeare or something. Awful. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I don't like. I don't like to just. I don't like to call out other writers and everything. It's. I find that childish. Sorry. Then, either way, good segment. Uh, we had 
Escobar versus Jake Atlas. Pretty short match, which was kind of a shame because, you know, Jake Atlas was is so good in the division and this could have been something new to do. They're 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 I think they're I think they're continuing something a bit with Escobar and uh, Escobar and Swerve, but eh, eh, he he's he's had his chance. I really think you should give someone else a chance to kind of do something. We need we don't need to see more of more more of this and more of that. I mean, we need someone new because Escobar is kind of being portrayed as this kind of unstoppable mob boss, which is cool. Then there was the Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis Haunted House of Terror. I don't even know how to explain this one. This was this is one of those um like cinematic matches, and it was oh it was just so fun. I can't even do it justice. I know I can't advertise things, but it was it was something. It was it was it was hilarious. It was I mean. It, it was that one of those over the, or kind of appropriately over the top matches that, when done right in these kind of cinematic circumstances like the, the kind of graveyard the, and the the, the money in the bank matches it, they can be really really entertaining. So yeah, it was it was fun. I, I enjoyed these things. I and I thought this was really good, much better. Yeah, one of the better ones that WWE have done. That the, most of them, all of them have been pretty good. I don't think I've ever seen a really, really bad one. I guess uh, the the graveyard match actually might have been the worst. <laughs> it's funny to think. Then we had Ray Ripley versus Ra- 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 Raquel Raquel Gonzalez. Good. Um, I guess it's so it's a hoss fight. They're kind of both massive wrestler, uh, female wrestlers. So an entertaining scrap. Um, Ripley won, of course, she with a massive, massive big boot, and then the Riptide. Good stuff. Good kind of good way to continue the rivalry between her, um, with her and Dakota Kai. Uh, maybe could have gone a little bit longer. I think there might have been some more there, but yeah. I think my recording, I think my recording got interrupted there for a second. Uh, yeah, either way, good stuff. Good stuff. Then we had uh, a t- um, the main event since Finn Balor is currently out of action still with an injury, and they don't they don't seem keen to you know take the title off him. Um, uh, Shirai versus Candice LeRae, good, also good stuff. These two, have, again, have great chemistry, um, they tried again with the ghost face, but, um, Shotzi Blackheart kind of came in, did her thing to stop it. I like that they're adding her into the whole, whole women's division, so she's very entertaining in the, in the ring, and, yeah, uh, Shirai, of course, retains, so at least one of the Garganos now has a title, which is good. I didn't, I didn't want Shirai's uh, title reign to end the soon. It was a great night. Yeah, right. Halloween had a great. Um, there's reports that maybe they're going to bring back more NXT kind of like more for more NXT themed pay per views. They're going to do some more kind of old stipulations, which would be fun. Which would be very, very, very fun to see. I don't. I'm trying to think if I have any. Like maybe Cyber. Maybe like a Cyber Sunday. That that could be kind of funny to see if they did something like that. I know that one always kind of got mixed reviews, but it was the idea that you would. That the fans would vote on who they want to see fight what, what stipulations to match. I think with something like NXT, I think that could really work when you got the kind of fan base that NXT has, the very smarky in the know kind of thing. They could choose who they want, and I mean, you could choose who you want. We don't know whether or not they, they you know, they change the voting and what kind of tailor the story they want. But 
Yeah, it, it, I, I think that could be one that'd be fun for NXT. Uh, speaking of gimmicks and matches, one thing that's coming up is Survivor Series. Honestly, one of my favorite pay-per-view types. I love uh, traditional uh, elimination-style matches for whatever reason. They entertain me to no end. I love it. I don't know why I love it, but I love Survivor Series. Probably one of my favorites outside of Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and elimination. I like elimination matches, I just realized. Uh, but... Um, Survivor Series, of course, over the last few years has gotten some flack from fans. So concept, it used to be that this was a way to get a lot of people into a storyline back during the Attitude and Ruthless Aggression era where you could, you know, implement factions into matches and you could implement kind of adding in a bunch of other wrestlers to, you know, create these kind of alliances and help develop characters. It was really a, really, a really effective way to to do this and it can be helped to kind of put someone else over as this kind of endurance and kind of, you know, showing these kind of unity between these characters. But now what Survivor Series is, is with the brand split that happened around 2016, um, 2016, I believe, is when the brand split officially happened. Either that was the first um, first brand splits based Survivor Series. Again, I, I actually, I could be wrong about that. Um, take a quick look, but I'll just keep talking about why I'm doing that. So the concepts was... That now the Survivor Series are based around around a brand superiority between SmackDown and Raw and last year NXT though they don't seem to be doing that since reports are they don't want to keep associating the, whole, the idea wasn't they wanted to keep it where they wanted to introduce NXT into the public eye a bit more because they were really trying to beat AEW really thought they could beat them and now there's reports that the idea is they don't want to really push anymore and just want to make nxt better so which, which is good which, which is uh, definitely do that definitely keep doing that just make nxt good do not worry about that I'm trying to beat them just make sure nxt is good whatever uh stuttering again uh it's just I'm, I'm just taking a look to see if i'm correct about my assumption that it was raw versus raw versus yeah i think 26 because they had their own thing with with um 2016 with uh brand matches this event was also last year so i would say was before the reintroduction of brand extension and yeah so yeah 2016 was uh according to that 2016 was like the first time they really introduced the concept of having these matches be you know a brand versus brand they used to have something where it was Brand supremacy, uh, uh, brag, uh, bragging rights. I believe that was what the paper was called, WWE bragging rights, where they would have wrestlers from both brands fight each other. They were always, you know, whatever. It was always kind of whatever. They were fine. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, this confirms that 2016 was the beginning of them incorporating it into Survivor Series main events. So yeah, ever since then, the concept has been now that this month, the month of November becomes this nebulous void of storytelling where everything else, every relationship is every like rivalry, everything like that is normally put on halt because, you know, we got to fight for brand supremacy. We need to show them that red is better than blue. You know, it doesn't matter. I hate you, but I hate those guys more, you know? And okay, this could work, but like stripping some of these people down of their characters to, you know, represent these brands is is a little silly. I mean, I get why they kind of, you know, some like Corbin would of course care for, you know, would of course care for something like that because he just likes to brag that he's, you know, anything he does is better. 
But what's your biggest problem with this one it, this this year is I've always been able to defend this saying, you know, it's wrestlers are inherently kind of egotistical characters and they will, of course, want to fight to make themselves appear, you know, because they think it'll help advance their careers. I've, I've always defended that. I'm like, you know, the, you know, it's it's wins. Wins matter and they want to just win. So, you know, if that includes building up their brand, they'll do it. And they've even incorporated sometimes, like with Jey Uso, uh, not just Jey Uso, Jimmy and Jey Uso, when they were kind of a starking camaraderie amongst the, the SmackDown teams at one time, where they were like, you know, we we hate each other, but come on, we can. This is this is more than just hatred. This is something bigger. They at least try to you know explain these a little bit to varying degrees of success. You could argue, but. I, I'm not. I, I don't think it's something to really get that riled up about. And they do sometimes incorporate, excuse me, rivalries into these matches. We saw that with the 2016 one, where they had, you know, uh, Jericho and Rollins not exactly getting along well with all these issues that still seeped into the matches. So it's not like they completely forget about the ideas. For the most part, I mean, again, to varying degrees. And so, and even then, like. The last few uh, Survivor Series again, sorry, near some pipes. They they've been good. They've all been really, really good. And they've had great matches. They've been they've been consistently above average. And I I, I just think the the art the the criticism is just kind of like it's old hat now. We don't need to. We 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 really shouldn't keep ragging on it for that. It's it's just it just seems like you're just beating a dead horse. And this one it says this is supposed to be the. Uh, the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker, which is going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Either way, with all this being said, with all my defense of it, I will say this Survivor Series has some issues. I will say there is some problems. First and foremost, the brand split just happened. They literally just did the shakeup. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't... The concept doesn't work. It, you literally just had this brand split, and now you're expecting... I get why the champions are doing it. They want to show their champions better, but you're like when it comes to the, the Survivor Series elimination matches, it becomes a little bit sillier that some of these people were, you know, just on Raw or just on SmackDown. Like Kevin Owens was literally just on Raw and is now fighting for SmackDown. It's that's kind of that's when you kind of stretch a bit. That I know some of these guys have been making promos. Like uh, Big E made a joke about you know I I know I need to be like Raw Raw SmackDown. And I uh, support the big go blue. And he's like, but you know, I'm brothers with Kofi Kingston. Not not little brothers, of course. And he's like, my brothers, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are on Raw. So I'm going to be supporting them. So we, we at least see some some wrestlers, you know, trying to work around the whole force brand splitting idea. And again, I guess I do get the criticism that this does open up for like less mid-card people to be incorporated in these Survivor Series matches like the older ones does. It's definitely there's definitely some flaws with it, but I think it's at this point it's this is the angle they're going with, and I think it's it's unfair to keep criticizing them for this. That it's not as good as what it once was, and it's it's an issue that I think will be there for will be here for until the brand splits either ends or they just they just like stop doing this. Like it, it's the the biggest issue is the is the brand splitting. They they don't have these real defined lines of who's on what brand, and that's what kind of makes it silly. It's it's silly. That's what it mostly is. It's just silly. It's not some major disaster storytelling. It's it's just a silly concept. But the matches will still be really good. They'll still you know probably incorporate some of the storylines of people hating each other on the teams. They'll still try to keep something. 
Um, okay, actually, maybe matches. That was something else I wanted to bring up. The matches, from what we've seen so far, we're having a bit of an issue like what they had with 2017 where they had a ton of heel champions at the time, which meant a lot of heel versus heel matches, which uh, historically aren't as big a draw as sometimes, you know, despite the fact that fans like to comment that heel versus face dynamics don't exist anymore in the real world. In the, in the wrestling world, they also talk about it when it comes to this thing. Sorry, again, little little thing that kind of bothers me sometimes. Either way, there's a ton of heel versus heel matches, so some fans are kind of wondering how they're going to handle that. Some are thinking it's a little stupid. Then we got... It's not just that fun. It's weird. It's like... like when It's not as bad as what it was in 2017 where like literally almost every single person was a heel when upon we had Corbin versus Miz, which was the match everyone really wasn't excited. I didn't get it. I thought the buildup was amazing. That The match was, I thought, really underrated all in all. I really enjoyed that match. And... Sorry, that's a little thing. And there was Jinder Hall versus Brock Lesnar, which they thankfully changed to AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar, which was awesome. Then they had a women's match that I'm trying to... Yeah, it was going to be Alexa Bliss versus Natalia, who were both heels, and they changed them to Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte Flair. And I don't think they changed the tag titles to anything, if I'm remembering correctly. And... That, but yeah, there have been there's some criticism that they still have a ton of heel matches. I mean, Asuka is a technically heel versus Sasha Banks. That'll be an interesting match. I think that'll be good. Street Profits and New Day definitely aren't heels. That's the one that's also silly. It's like, you know, they just traded tag titles, and it's like, you know, what was the point of that? Why? And now they're... I get that they want to prove that they're the better tag teams and everything, but it's still, again, it still feels a little silly again. That's all it is. It's just silly. Sammy Vizane versus Bobby Lashley is the one match I am not definitely don't want to see after what they've gone through, which to be fair, the first time they met, it was Sammy was having bad shoulder and he was having shoulder injuries. He had problems. He was, he couldn't do a really long match. So that's why that last match didn't go so well in the last time they met. But even then I'm not too excited to see this. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not too excited to see that one. I, unless they can get a good story out of it. I'm not, I'm, I don't, but then again, I mean, you know, give it the title, Lashley's title to someone else. I mean, it would have been, it could be interesting. Give it to Ali for Retribution if you're, unless the Retribution's, I want to bring this up, unless Retribution's entire point is to put over the Hurt business, do something with them, put the title on Ali so he can have a good match of Zayn. Which, okay, I want to say that I think that's all right if Retribution's purpose is to put over the Hurt business since the Hurt business is awesome. I don't see a problem with them wanting to do that. They're clearly not. I think that's a, that's a fair thing you can do in wrestling. Is that we don't, again we don't need to have this mentality that everyone needs to get over, especially people that you've been criticizing aren't over. I think it's perfectly fine that they just want to do that they want to do that. I mean, it's not fun that they're not a threat. Still, it's sad, but I think at this point that's the whole point of retribution is just to help get her business over. So yeah, so unless unless you want to make them strong, put it on Ali and have let him have a match with Sami Zayn and win or something and show that he's you know on par with Bobby Lashley because Lashley also beat Zayn, so it's like, oh, maybe he, they do have something to say. It was a missed opportunity from Hell in a Cell, which I do need to talk about since I am... Well, how much time do I have left? I have like almost 15 minutes left. Well, fun. So let me wrap up my little Survivor Series segment here because I still have a few other things I want to talk about. Oh, God. So, uh, 
they're still building up the women's and Survivor Series men tag team elimination matches. Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns. Not excited to see that one. I mean, that's no, just, just, just no. Roman has been good with what he's been given with the fact that he's done these kind of really different matches where he's done these kind of more emotional, more, I want to say kind of acting driven kind of segments, which have been powerful with the storytelling, but we haven't really seen what he's done in the, his explosive his, how he's replaced his kind of, he's, I mean, he still clearly does have that really explosive kind of high energy match style, but he's not utilizing as much anymore. And against someone like Randy Orton, uh, Randy is still, he's a cool character, but his matches, you know, are methodical as they put it. Not too excited to see that. I wish we could have gotten. Okay, I guess that's. Uh, dang it, that's. Dang it, that's actually a good point. I get. Okay, I guess I get why they put it on Randy Orton because they don't want to make Drew look bad. They don't want to make Roman Reigns look bad, and fans hate DQ, so they probably put it on Randy Orton so Roman can beat Randy Orton. That's fair. Okay, that's. I guess that's one of those hindsight cases where we complain, yet we kind of get the point that they're like, you know, Randy, <laughs> that does make sense. I would rather have seen, I wouldn't like to have seen either of those guys lose their momentum like that in that match, even though it probably would have been, would have been better. And I know some fans will complain. They'd say they don't have the match at all. I mean, they did that last year, which is also a fair point. I mean, yeah. So it's it's whatever I guess it's whatever take it, you can I take it the hypothetical well they could they should have done this or it's like where are we at now is this the best option if this was the plan all along whatever uh, so let's see we'll see how it turns out this one I'm a little skeptical for this one I'm excited 30th anniversary for uh, Undertaker let's hope it's a good send off I'm not send off good happy birthday for the dead man first day he was brought up with with a brother love before getting the Paul Bearer guy, the Paul Bearer guy before getting Paul Bearer as his manager for his undead character. Also something I wanted to briefly touch about about before I breeze through my hell in a cell reactions, uh, Aliyah versus and buddy Murray, buddy Murphy is a thing. There's a lot of people complaining about this since there's a huge age difference between the two people on raw brief history. Buddy Murphy's breaking away from Seth Rollins his Messiah gimmick. And he's, they've been of course still feuding with the Mysterio family and Ray Mysterio's daughter has been finding some lovey dovey puppy love interest in a man. Who's literally almost half her age. I mean, I mean, yeah, half her age older than her. And it's some fans are not really into, I mean, romance angles do sell in WWE. Then it's on, it's, it's unfair to say this isn't a, a smart decision that they, that they, this is a good, I'm a good marketing decision because it's these kind of things always do, you know, produce some good view. They provide, provide, provide views for the, for the segments. Lana and Lashley was as much as it was critically panned. It still got views. Otis and Mandy Rose, which was actually good. Honestly, I think that one was actually kind of good. Got a lot of great views as well. And so it's it, it's understandable why they're doing it, but it's like these two people really. It's Murphy's a lot older than her, and it's a little ill. I know she's technically eight. She's I know she's technically an adult. She's I think eighteen or nineteen, which yeah, that's fair. But even then, it's like it's still it, it is something you just always kind of get uncomfortable seeing still seeing someone that young with someone that much older. I know Murphy's still young. He's like thirty two or whatever, and so it's. It, I mean, I guess it depends on your culture that if you, if, you, if this is okay to see in your culture, that's like this, how many so years older than her, them they are. 
and it is always about age, isn't it? Like, no one really cares about Undertaker being married to Tor- Tori. Who is he married to again? I can't, I can't remember, actually. But someone who's, I think, 20 years younger than him. Let me double check. He is Michelle. Oh, sorry, not Tori. Michelle McCool, who is 40, and he is 55. So he's 15 years older than her. Um, Murphy is, let me double check. I think I said he was 32, and... Yeah, is so yeah, there's it's less than an age difference there. Yeah, 32. And it's yeah, it, a lot of people are just it's a little they find it a little odd, especially with someone like her that hasn't been on screen for so long to be confessing her love for him. It's some people, it's still one of those things that we just kind of are thinks a little antiquated with wrestling storytelling, but you know, WWE loves the soap opera kind of stuff, and that's fair, it's their style, they can do that. But again, it's it's still just it still kind of makes you a little squirming. At least it makes me squirm in my seat just a little bit, you know, seeing someone that young, someone that much younger, kind of do that. And then again, again, maybe it's just an age thing. I I don't know. I'm not. Too, I don't have too much of a big deal about Tori. I keep saying Tori, Michelle McCool marrying Undertaker. I mean, maybe it's just that. Maybe it's literally just the fact that she's 19 and it's it just seems younger than 40 does to a 55 year old. I am. It's whatever. I guess you have your thoughts on it. If you can just, if you can take away from that, I guess it can, it's a decent, it's, it's could be, it could be a better storyline. I like, because it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I would, it would have better if it's like, Buddy's still kind of feuding with the Mysterios because of it. And Seth is feuding with Mur- M- Murray, Murray, Murphy and Mysterio. So it's this kind of star crossed lovers thing. It's a, it's getting a bit more complicated. We'll see where it goes. It could be. It could turn out great. It, it could turn out great. It's, this has been the feud's been good so far, and it's for this to derail it would be kind of would be really silly. Now then, I got about ten minutes left. Hell in a Cell time. Want to just get my thoughts out of Hell in a Cell quickly. Hell in a Cell overall, a good pay per view. Honestly, it was a. I liked. It. I really enjoyed. I I enjoyed the the. The, the cell matches which was you know a shock you know the hell in a cell matches for once the cell match is great for after after like two years of where where the main event cell match has been kind of blah or you know anger inducing to the points of people wanting to quit wwe it it was nice to see that all three cell matches delivered nicely they all really delivered so roman reigns versus the jay uso match hell in a cell i quit match this one could, to be fair, this one did not. This one did not need to be in Hell in a Cell. It could have been Hell in a Cell, considering you know the intensity. But they didn't really use the cell. All in all, in the match, there was some you know good USO dives. I mean, Jay USO did some good good suicide dives into the cell, which always looked cool. But just all in all, they didn't really use, and it could have just been an I quit match. And you, you just, I get the concept that's like you know they they hate each other that much. You got to contain them in the cell. But you know, when you expect you get something like that, you expect someone to do some stuff with the cell related, do some stuff. But it, this was it's it was now a case of kind of what happened last time, where it wasn't as much the match; it was the storytelling, the idea that Reigns was going this far to get his goal accomplished to be the head of the table, that he was kind of losing himself. He was really beating Jay down. He was supposedly unconscious, which. Little silly, you know. Uh, Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. Anyone? He didn't say I quit yet. Falling unconscious is a loss. And eh. 
I don't know why the ref didn't call that, but he didn't, and he got tossed out the ring. They lifted up the lifted up the cell to let some people uh, let Adam Pierce, Jamie Noble, and one other guy who I can recognize into the ring, and then Reigns is like, "No, I, he needs to say I quit. I refuse for the match to end without it." And it it was. Again, I don't know why they, the commentary kept selling it that he had to say, I quit. Like, you know, again, one of the most famous matches in WWE history. I, don't, I really don't get why they didn't bring that up, that they were, that falling unconscious counts in this match. Either way, it in, it ended with Reigns is then about to squash Jay with a steel, steel stairs, and then um, Jimmy came out and began to, like, he, he kind of came to protect his brother again like last time. And but it, and he was it was really a kind of a powerful scene because he started calling Roman by his real name. He started calling them by their real names, and it was it was really good stuff. And then J- Roman grabs him and puts him in the guillotine, and then that forces Jay to finally say, "I quit," because he doesn't he wants to save his brother. Reigns goes up to the top. He was like it kind of you know it was all a ruse. He's he's crying crocodile tears, and he goes up, and there's Anoahi family members. I don't remember. I think. One of them was from the Wild Samoans. I don't remember the other guy's name. Forgive me. Sorry, I forgot. And it, it was yeah. It, well, yeah, it was both. They were both the Wild Samoans. Uh, yeah, but I don't. I don't remember their. I don't remember both their names. But they were. They were there, and they gave him an, a, a, another lay, and he was. They they stood at the top of the stop top of the ring and uh, on top of the ramp, and were like, you know, we're the heads of the table now. And so Jay and Jimmy have to be subservient. And then the next night, of course, we saw Jay turn heel. Not the next night. That SmackDown this Friday, he turned heel and beat up Daniel Bryan for his spot on Survivor Series. Yeah, it was good. It, I, some people I know have been criticizing it because, you know, it wasn't really a match. It was more theatrics. And that, you know, wrestling and theatrics don't need to go, don't need to be separated. They don't, they're not, exclu- they're not exclusive that you can have the, a match with a lot of emotional storytelling without it. And sometimes WWE doesn't always hit this. We saw this with Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins, where they kind of tried to go from a bit more theatrics and it didn't work as well. It was kind of forced, but I thought this was really good. I really thought this was powerful. I know that the match itself wasn't as, it, it probably wasn't as good as the concept, the simple storytelling of, of when they did at Clash of Champions, I'm probably getting that wrong, but no, 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 it was Clash of Champions. Yeah, Clash of Champions. But I, I still enjoyed it. I still liked seeing the kind of concept of Roman finally like faking out, thinking he has gone too far, and then you know just using it to get Jimmy to come out again, and knowing that like last time they have that brotherly bond that he knows if he tortured Jimmy, then it would lead to Jay tapping out. I thought that was really smart. I think it could, but. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I thought the acting was still good for wrestling. It was still decent acting. And I think that sold it. It wasn't comical. It was still good, intense to see. So I liked it. Yeah. Then we saw Elias versus Jeff Hardy. Boo. This was nothing. This was just a nothing match. Elias is, was top of the Billboard, not Billboard charts, top of the iTunes charts for a while with his new album. Then Bruce Springsteen came along and. Elias won by disqualification after he tried to hit him with the Jeff Hardy with the guitar, and then Jeff Hardy was like Uno Reverse and hits him with the guitar. I just made that terrible joke. I'm sorry. Then it, yeah, so it was it was nothing. It was 
it's not terrible. It's it's just nothing match. It's it's the problem of a nothing match in a otherwise good show. Miz versus Otis was interesting. Miz is now this was for of course the money in the bank the money in the bank contract and Miz won. He beat Otis after Tucker hit him with the the briefcase and Miz is now Mister Money in the Bank, which is very interesting. I'm very excited to see where they go with this. Miz is awesome. I love the Miz and Morrison together. Again, it's it's what it is. People, I know some people don't like this recent incarnation of Morrison and Miz. I love it still. I think they're still really funny. And yeah, I'm excited to see it. And Tucker now with Otis, it kind of negates the concept of the brand split because now they're building up a storyline between these two, which is fine because, you know, Tucker has been kind of overshadowed by Otis. So he has kind of good reason to be kind of angry, but and see Otis kind of squander this golden this golden ticket opportunity would be a good reason for him that they can build this up a bit better. So I'm I'm excited to see where this goes with the Miz. Hopefully they do something with Miz. Hopefully do something smart with the Miz. I know he probably doesn't have the contract for too long, considering Money in the Bank is nearby, and they're gonna probably do some kind of shenanigans where it's like, oh yeah, you know, we we can't have two briefcase holders coming around. Miz is like, duh, what? <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm being stupid. Um, I, I could see something like that where Miz thinks he still has a year, but they're kind of like, eh, you know what? We don't want two briefcase holders, so you really need to either cash it now or you need to do it this, and he panics. Maybe it would look make Miz look like a chump, sadly, but I could see it happening. Hopefully they don't do this, and hopefully Miz cashes in and does something smart. I don't know who he would beat, though. It's, unless I want to do Miz versus Edge, because that's, you know, that's the report that's that Randy Orton's going to be going up against Edge for WrestleMania. Versus whatever, depending on what anyone else thinks. But I can't see Miz beating... I, I could kind of see that. I mean, th- there's this whole thing that Miz could build up that he's like, I've beaten Roman Reigns before for the Intercontinental title, and I can do the same with this golden ticket opportunity. It's whatever. It's I don't know what they'll do with it. It'll be interesting to see. Miz now has like the briefcase, which you know usually means he can lose matches, and he still has some kind of credibility. It happens. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Epic match. Very good match. There was a lot of clever moments. Hell in a Cell is one of those things that's like, you always think it's going to get old this time around, but this one was really good. You have three different really good Cell matches. This one was more around the the intensity of kind of the items they had at their disposal. They used a lot of good candlestick stuff. There was some innovative table spots like Sasha Banks was under the table and she kicks it up into Bailey's face. Um. We saw like Bailey trying to set up a kendo stick thing that didn't really work, but it was kind of funny. And it was it was hard hitting match, really good stuff with um kind of Sasha trying to work the the back of Bailey with some really intense like chair stuff and tables. I'm trying to remember a lot of it, but I kind of that's kind of the basics. Is then it, Sasha. Uh, Got Bailey to tap out to the submission, stole the woman's title, not stole, she won the title from her. Looks like so they can continue this rivalry till WrestleMania, which would be awesome because this would be a great, great thing. I imagine Bailey is going to go for Royal Rumble and win in Royal Rumble and have that chance to win the belt, the belt, the belt from her. Uh, then, yeah, so yeah, really great match. Then we had a segment a while uh, earlier in the night where her business were were responding to Retribution's challenge of a match that night, and they said, you pick your member, and we'll pick yours. I'm running out of time. 
and they decided they're like, oh, pick the guy in the stupid mask. And they looked down funny, like, oh, yeah, Slapjack. Because I picked Slapjack versus Bobby Lashley for United States title. Again, nothing matched. Slapjack got squashed like a bug. He got a few, he got a few good moments in there with, I am turning, I'm sounding, I'm sounding Southern for whatever reason. They turned it into a thing where um, he got a tornado DDT, running tornado DDT, hit a, cor- a cannonball stun time, which is any loss to the, the hurt lock. Either way. Either way, he lost. It was nothing, and Retribution still looks pretty weak. Again, unless you're building up that Retribution's only point is to lose to Hurt Business, I guess you're not doing a good job building this new star. I'm just going to go over my time just a little bit here so I can finish my thing. It's, yeah, it, it was it was another whatever match. It's This has been, this the pay-per-view's whole concept has been sandwiching de- like mediocre to bleh matches in between really good matches. So yeah, this was whatever. I wish they would do something with it. I love Shane Thorne. He was he's always entertaining to watch. So see him get squashed like this was a shame. Then the main event, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre, which this time the hell would matches around the intensity of the hatred between these two had for each other. And yeah, it was it was good. Probably the weaker of the three. I mean, I guess Roman versus Jay, I guess Titan was weaker in ring than the other two, but like it felt it felt better. Like it the storytelling was a bit better than then this one, but even then, this one wasn't bad. They still had some good, great, good moments for maybe a little longer than it should have been considering Orton, but they had some good stuff like Randy, like kind of callbacks to their previous stuff, like the backslide counter, and then they broke out of the cell, kind of fighting around using the environment. Uh, Drew took a bump from the side of the cell into the table, and that kind of that the whole concept was that knocked him woozy, and then he, when he tried to counter again with the Claymore, he got caught with an RKO. Randy Orton's the champion. It's whatever. It's Orton is has a great character right now and that's fun that he's doing this some of the best work with this character, but he's still just not that great in ring. I mean, he's had some good his matches with Drew have been really good actually. I can't complain with in that regard, but it's I don't I, I wish Drew would have gotten a like it's a shame Drew never got the chance to be in front of a live audience. There's reports that you know he's probably going to win it back once they do get the live audience because the reaction would still be great and he's a really good he was a really good champion too, really entertaining babyface. And even his kind of when he came back to Raw, he even did something better where he was kind of like, you know, my, I disappointed everyone. I'm sorry that this had to happen with me losing this championship. And was like, oh yeah, that's actually kind of a good babyface work that he doesn't. He's not entirely cool about it and he's still angry, but. Yeah, it is what it is. We'll see what, how Randy does with it. If they're going to continue with the with the Edge thing, but for whatever, we're going to go into Survivor Series, so we're going to take a small break on too many storytelling, too many huge storytelling developments. So Survivor Series will be coming up, and I'm excited to see where it goes with this. I thank you all for joining me this time on the undercard, and I hope you all have a good day. This has been William Maine on the Doobie Radio.